Good morning and welcome to The Present, where everything happens. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and the present is about mindfulness, which is paying attention to the present moment on purpose and without judgment. Together, I hope we can be a little more mindful every day. The present is the only place where you can affect change. On each show, I'll share a part of mindfulness and what it means, what it can do to help you improve your life, and then give you a practice or two that you can start today if you like. Then I have a conversation with someone from the mindfulness movement, many of whom are right here in Reno, but some are from across the country. Today's topic is self-care. Self-care can mean so many things. If you think about the ways that you can care for someone else, it's easy to see that you can go from a kind word to making dinner for them to a thousand other things. Consciously adding things to your day that increase the good feelings, calm, or sense of security is self-care. Slowing down the rush and making yourself a priority is self-care. So paying attention to your body, your needs, your emotions, you, paying attention to you, that's self-care. It is not selfish. We often minimize the things that we want. Eh, I'll do that later. Uh, I don't really need that. I wish I had time for that, but whatever. After years of doing this, feelings of not being worth it creep in. So think of if you have a friend and they want to do something, you say, yeah, we'll, we'll do that someday and we'll get to that. Uh, and you keep putting it off. Eventually your friend feels like eh, they don't really care about me or they don't understand that this is something that I want. So when you're putting those things off, putting your needs after everyone else's, you actually feel that way because that's how you're treating yourself. A morning routine is a great way to build some self-care into your day. Start by waking up, not just getting up. Open your eyes, breathe, stretch, notice your body. Drop into your day with some positive or curious thoughts about the day. All of this before you get out of bed. I like this little rhyme um, that I've kind of adopted. It's from a Peggy Lee song recorded in 1946. So uh, I don't know. That's an awful long time ago. It's, it's called It's a Good Day. And part of the lyrics say, um, it's a good day for singing a song. It's a good day for moving along. So I have replaced this um, just in my head with thoughts about what I'm going to do that day. I make up new words. It's a good day to interview a guest. It's a good day for sounding my best. Whatever happens to come to mind. Um, and it's usually goofy. So it makes me laugh. And that's a good way to start your day. But it forces you to look for something in your day to look forward to. 
it doesn't allow any worry to be the first thing that happens that day. Then, when you get out of bed, have a routine in the morning that starts your day with calm, with energy, with movement, self-care, or whatever makes you feel capable and ready for the day. This is going to be different for everyone. This will not take any time. That's the most common pushback that I get is, that, oh, I don't have time to add a daily routine to my morning. I get up and I barely make it to work on time. Um, I actually feel like it adds more time to your day because you didn't start by rushing or skipping things that make you feel good or think more clearly. And there isn't anything you're going to have to go back and do later. So let me give you some ideas for ways you can start your day off in a more positive, mindful way. Try hard as you can to avoid television news, um, possibly also radio news. Avoid emails. Definitely avoid phone scrolling. Most anything that has ads first thing in the morning. At least uh, put those off until you've spent some time starting your day off strong. Okay, so sometime, you know, even just that morning routine that I mentioned before, before you get out of bed is great. And then if you can avoid uh, media of any kind until at least a half an hour and then some hydration, those are all great ways to start. I'll go into um, a specific practice Uh after we listen to a song. And this is uh, a lot of the songs that I pick are just songs that I think are fun, songs that make me want to dance or sing or songs that make me laugh. So this one is No Roots by Alice Merton off her 2018 album of the same. Oh, no, off her 2018 album called Mint. Head for the next time, I'm in. Cause I've got memories. 
That was No Roots by Alice Merton uh, off her 2018 album, Mint. And welcome back to the present where everything happens on KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark. And this is the practice segment of the show where you can take something away from today's show and give it a try in your life. Um If you have a chance, you can do it right now. Otherwise, you can take a look at the archive at kwnkradio.org and play it when you have time to give it a try, which is also where you can go to support the station by clicking Donate. And here are some people who are members of KWNK, and I appreciate their support, and that is Griffin Peralta, Dietrich McGinnis and Chris Monson. Thanks so much for being members of KWNK. 
So our practice today is called loving kindness meditation, and you can do it as a meditation. Um, or you can, okay. So our, starting again, I just want to make sure we're moving. There we go. Okay. Our practice today is called a loving kindness meditation, and you can do it as a meditation if you like, or you can just sit quietly and say these things. It's doesn't have to be formal. So this is a practice of care and understanding and of sharing that with those you love and other people in your life. I find this practice very easy and comforting. But when I decided to share it with you, I looked back at my notes from when I first started it, and that was not the case which was kind of surprising. It made me uncomfortable to offer full compassion to myself. And when I tried to share it with people that I didn't get along with, so when you get to the extended part of this practice, you're sharing these feelings of loving kindness with somebody who you don't get along with. And when I did it, I was reminded very loudly of why they annoy me. And so the progression of this practice happens fairly quickly where you are comfortable offering yourself full compassion and understanding others on a, on a more compassionate level. So take it slowly and do the parts that you're comfortable doing, and then you can add on. For this practice, uh, it's good to be comfortable. So you can do it seated or lying down. And start by just bringing your attention and your awareness to your breath. Inhale and exhale, noticing where you feel your breath. So take a few breaths to relax and focus. Then bring to mind somebody that you believe has your best interests at heart. Someone who has extended kindness and support to you. This could be someone you know from your past. It could be a parent, a friend, a family member, teacher, colleague, maybe your dog. Okay, so it doesn't have to be a person. Someone that you really feel loves you. Choose one person and then bring them to mind as if they're seated right in front of you, smiling at you. Imagine them truly wishing you well, as they say, may you be happy, healthy, and whole. May you have love and affection in your life. May you be safe and free from harm, and may you find peace and purpose in your life. So imagine them beaming this towards you in their smile, in their eyes. You feel warm and comforted. And then with your next breaths, draw in that attention, intention of goodness. Breathe in the wish of happiness and joy from this person who cherishes you. Notice how nice it feels, how nice it makes you feel, and then relax into these sensations and feelings for just a couple breaths. Okay, next we want to 
um, send ex, again. Next, we want to extend this boost of joy to other people. So bring to mind someone in your life that you care about and support. Picture them vividly as if they're sitting right in front of you and send them the same good wishes. May you be happy, healthy, and whole. May you have love and affection in your life. May you be safe and free from harm. And may you have peace and purpose in your life. Imagine them smiling and imagine how good they feel to be supported in this way. And then you too feel warmth and support because you got to give them this. So just this part of the practice is plenty for the first time through. And when you're comfortable doing this, you can add someone uh, else in that you want to give this boost to. It might be a friend, a family member, a colleague. Then you can extend these wishes to people that you're just acquainted with, like the barista that makes your coffee in the morning, someone that you sort of know, okay? Someone maybe that you'd like to know or someone on your periphery. Sending them support and well wishes. Finally, when you're comfortable with all of those things, um, extending the wishes to someone with whom you are having a difficult time. You are only responsible for sending the wishes and not how someone receives them or how they respond. It makes you feel good to send good wishes to other people. What I like in this last section is that if, if these wishes were true for this person, so if they, someone you're having difficulty with, if they were actually happy, healthy, and whole, if they had love and affection in their life, if they felt safe, and if they, if they had peace and purpose in their life, then they would certainly be easier to get along with. So the fact that you have trouble with them probably has something to do with their uh, something in their life that they are lacking. Whichever parts you do, end with a few deep breaths, sending these wishes to yourself. May I be happy, healthy, and whole. May I have love and affection in my life. May I be safe and free from harm. And may I find peace and purpose in my life. And if you want to use just this last tiny little section of wishing yourself these things when you're feeling stressed, that works also. So I have a very exciting interview today that I can't wait to share with you. Um, but before the interview, we're going to listen to a song called Love and Gravity by Object Heavy. Uh, they are a band out of Northern California. They play in Reno on a fairly regular basis. And this is off their album, also called Love and Gravity, which came out in January of this year. Mm -hmm. 
That was Love and Gravity by Object Heavy. Hope you enjoyed that. Welcome back to the present where everything happens on KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and my guest today is Ali Mujib, and he is an opener of minds. Good morning, Ali, and welcome to the present. It's where everything happens. Oh, hey, Lisa. It's great to see you again, and thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Today, I would like to talk... Well, your history is fascinating to me, and then the practices that you do and how you incorporate mindfulness and other practices into everything you do are, uh, I think, would help our listeners see that um, no matter what they do, it's possible to make that part of their day. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that that um, that intro. Um, it's, it's often unique because um, the one thing that I, I really, really love to do, um, that I get to do every day as a blessing, is um, help people, as you mentioned, to open their minds to doing things in a new and different way. And um, whether that's with, you know, kind of my day job, which is more um, solving complex problems with automation and innovation and f- trying to find things in, in a new way or with old, outdated, legacy, hardwired thinking that we want to let go of uh, with new creative ways of doing things and identity and energy that those are the things that I really love to do. So I'm excited that I get to get up each day and whether it's at home or at work, you know, really be present, as you mentioned. And, um, and be and be able to have impact. So thank you for having me and letting me share my story. My pleasure. Um, I do want to hear all about the work part, but I, I think, uh, can we start with where you started? Because the story of how your dad um, conveyed to you that taking your time, being mindfulness, not- being mindful, noticing things, appreciating things, um, I, I, I love that. And being a parent is so difficult that you are tr- always trying to do the right thing and what's going to work out best for your kids and doesn't always work out. Yeah. You know, we're, um, yeah, as a parent, it's hard. You, you learn as you go, at least in my experience, um, you try to give your, your children the things that maybe you didn't have that you felt you needed. Um, but, uh, you can't always rob them of the lessons they need to learn. But yeah, my dad, um, he was, um, there's a story I shared that I shared with you that really resonates with me as he was the type of man that, uh, my parents live in the Bay area, pretty close to a lake and he'd always go out walking towards the lake. And there's just this one day I saw him going out for a walk when I was at home and, um, he steps out the driveway, starts to walk by a rose bush. He stops at his rose bush. He smells the roses. He looks up at the sun and he kind of smiles and laughs. And then he goes about, uh, goes uh, on his way. And that's really how he lived his life is to just sit there, be present. And, um, you know, I think as you get older, you say, try to maintain that, that, that inner child in you. Um, I've never met anybody. Um, you know, my dad passed at almost 80, but he maintained that childish boyish joy until the day he passed. And uh, sometimes you you regret not, you know, recognizing those things more, um, but it's something I try to do each day now and just really try to 
be present and be grateful and not let those external that external noise get in the way of who we want to be. You're listening to The Present, where everything happens on KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and my guest today is Ali Mujib, an expander of minds and a force for positivity and growth on LinkedIn. Go ahead and find him. The hanging on to that childlike joy isn't easy. So, you know, as soon as you get to school, it's like you will sit here and you will stay seated and you will pay attention and you will not wiggle. And, <laughs> um, and I don't know, some of, the, some of the wonder and the curiosity, um, our culture, and when I say our culture, I really do think it is uh, very strong in America and not necessarily as strong in some other countries that that's not the way to be a grown-up. But once you see that how necessary that is, then you spend a lot of your grown-up time trying to get that back. <laughs> Do you think there's a way to to work maybe work with kids to to have them hang on to that at all cost? I'd say at all cost. <laughs> No, you're, you're, I think you're spot on, at least in, in my experience, it was, you know, and, you know, I'm Indian American, Asian American. So there's not a lot of, I love you's when you're growing up, but you know, your family loves you. And, and um, I went through this process of, you know, I need to be perfect. So my parents would love me. And then you arrive at some form of perfection, whether that's work, school, play, whatever that might be that fits kind of that, that checkbox for, for the people around you. And at least for me, I realized, well, that didn't change anything. And I just need to be the best version of me that I can be. And I think the challenge, especially with kids and you know the younger generations today is our environments, whether that's our social groups or schools, and even for us older in our professional spaces, um, they tell us all of those should and woulds, you should be this way, you know, you, you would be that way if you did this. And I think we lose sight of that innate born mastery that's within all of us. And um, I remember reading Robert Greene's Mastery, and um, there's something that he had stated that really impacted me, which was, um, you know, the um, one of the greatest travesties of our, of our time is the inability to influence and motivate those we care and love for in a positive and healthy way. And that quote just really hit me because here you are trying to influence, you know, the people you love and you care about, um, and they're just trying to find their way as well. And so in that book, Mastery, Robert Greene says, we're all born with that innate mastery, whether it's playing in the dirt or playing with music or, you know, uh, something inside of us. And I think we need to go back to that mastery. And I, I heard something recently, which was, what do you love to do? What are you good at and what gives you meaning? And taking those three things and just trying to bring it back on track. And, and that's why for me, um, my pet passions are, you know, as we were sharing earlier, innovation and automation and consciousness and energy. So whether it's opening people's minds to doing things in a new way with systems mm -hmm. or with thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, it's almost the same thing. It's just being open. Um, and then, um, you know, the change is really, you know, looking at new skills and beliefs um, in that identity. So 
I, I think I went on a tangent there, Lisa, but no, hopefully that okay. answers yeah. your question. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> when, so when you're, when you're working with the technology and innovation, do you get to add some of the other things in? Are you also yeah, you know, opening it, them up to thinking in a new way? Yeah, I, definitely. I'm trying to just because the nature of just, you know, when we think about, you know, um, technology and how it's evolved, you know, people have been looking to build out their systems, whether it's work uh, for 20, 30 years, you know, and and just like for me, I'm in my 40s, you know, I've outdated thoughts and systems in my brain that I need to ensure that I'm catching. So um, I, I, I meditate and pray that there's a day where before a big executive meeting, I can do a nice 10 minute meditation with a bunch of suits. Uh, for now, I take my small group and I do kind of, you know, let's do some six deep breaths. Let's get a little bit of a reset outside of a boardroom. That's been a little bit, but I have been lucky that um, the company I'm currently at has had me present at our kickoffs a couple of times on brain health and wellness and things of that nature. So I've been able to do a few sessions, but on a day to day, it's um, usually when it's in a more intimate group, um, you can share some of those things. And it's important to me because um, there is a stigma in B2B technology and, in, in, you know, how you need to be at, uh, you know, out late, you know, with drinks and things that don't align with who I am. So I'm pretty transparent with my clients that, you know, I'm not going to be out late at the bar, but you know that I'm going to be up at four or five, you know, doing my stuff and giving you what you need first thing in the morning. Right. So. Okay. So when they're wanting to uh, go to the after, after work uh, stuff, you're not as involved in that and. I usually show up and then I play present, but then I'm pretty mm -hmm. out pretty quickly, you know, and, and it's been a conversation sometimes with kind of some of your old tenured uh, leaders that say, hey, this is the way you're supposed to do things. And um, and even for that, I've gotten comfortable enough with who I am to be able to say whoever that uh, supervisor or superior might be, um, hey, I, you know, privately, of course, in the right setting, trying to be mindful, of course, topic of our discussion today and say, I understand what you're saying, and I understand why, um, but that's not who I am. And my customers know me, and they know what to expect from me. And they don't need me out late, you know, schmoozing with them. They need to know that they could trust me to do what I say I'm going to do. And that's where I shine, you know. And so there's a huge trust factor when it comes to my clients. Um, and then I try to hopefully apply that in my in my personal space and my life as well. Well, hopefully that whole mindset is changing that that you have to make deals on the golf course or you have to be out late drinking and and see how whatever how much how much your colleagues can drink. I it's it doesn't have any relationship to how well they perform their job and possibly an inverse relationship. <laughs> yeah, no. And and it's great to see. And, and I do think um, the topic of mental health and, you know, a lot of what brought what was brought to the surface through, you know, COVID over the last few, few years, um, the good and the bad, I think it's brought uh, a lot to the surface where, you know, there's there's a different way of doing things. There's, you know, it's good to see um, some of the topics that I really care about, like nervous system regulation and, you know, really having boundaries with, you know, with work um, coming to the surface, um, you know, so that's been very interesting to me. But back to where you started earlier, I said, man, if we can help 
um, the young kids of our generation put the phones down and focus on some of the inward work to build those those real superpowers, that's that's going to be much more impactful um, to avoid any of that destruction. Because I am concerned with that dopamine, dopamine going on everywhere. So in working with kids, and I, I work with a lot of uh, athletes under 18, and the pressure... So like what you were saying of, you know, you're, you're good at things and you're enough and that you're doing a fine job. Um, they are, for the most part, they are all straight A students. They all play, hmm, a lot of them play two sports, but uh, if they play one sport, they play in high school and they play club. Um, and then they're just uh, good kids. So, but when I ask them at the beginning of working together, I say, so how you do in school? And they're like, I'm okay. I get pretty good grades. And I'm like, all right, what are your actual grades? And they're like, well, A's. I get all A's. And I'm like, that is not pretty good. You're an excellent student. Let's hear you say I'm an excellent student. And they're, they're a little uncomfortable with that. Because straight A's is what they expect of themselves, and they do beat themselves up uh, if there's an A minus, not a B. <laughs> and I'm sure you know from you, coming from your background that that you're well familiar with that. Well, of course I get straight A's. That's what I'm supposed to get. And you know I like to try and teach the just the celebration of everything that you do. And so maybe it starts with, uh, you know, I got straight A's and I'm going to take more than 30 seconds to say good job because, um, I don't know, I suppose it's a perfectionist mindset that that you, yeah, you get straight A's, you uh, take the time to put a check mark in that box and you move on to the next challenge without really celebrating. And when we talk about like working with employees or working with kids that you want to shoot for six times as much uh, congratulatory celebrating stuff as you do criticism. And yet when it comes to dealing with ourself, uh, two to one criticism, what do you think? Oh, wow. <laughs> I had to put on a number on it. Yeah. Well, the, nah, you don't have com- to put a number on it if you don't want. <laughs> no, what's coming to my mind, Lisa, is that old and, and the data has probably changed. But, you know, the whole aspect of um, 80 percent of our thought was 90 percent of our thoughts are the same as yesterday and 80 percent of them are negative. Some uh, yes. I might have the yeah. stats wrong. But and um, I think, in, uh, you know, one person that really influenced me. So psychology and spirituality have been a part of my life you know, probably before I knew what they were. And um, one thing that really um, resonated with me was the work of Abraham Maslow. And, um, you know, and uh, more recently, Scott Barry Kaufman. So Scott Barry Kaufman is an author, um, PhD now that took Maslow's work to the the mainstream. And what a lot of people don't know is Abraham Maslow did not have a triangle. Like we've all saw the triangle in psychology class, but there was never actually a triangle. It was more of a sailboat analogy. But we're all looking to be seen, heard, and valued. 
And that aspect of worthiness and enoughness is something that I definitely dealt with and took me a long time to work through. And, um, and, you know, I was a competitive athlete and so was my son. So I understand what that's like to be around a peer group that everybody has straight A's and everybody's in multiple sports and everybody's competing. And how do you find value in who you are when, you know, we're comparing ourselves to everyone else? And as an old quote, quote comparison is, you know, um, is the thief of joy. And I think um, we really, uh, as a society, need to put more of a focus on the who we are, not the what we have and what we're chasing. And that's um, a conversation that we have at home a lot in our household, which is striving for the thing that we're striving for without really focusing on it and just loving the daily work uh, that, that's gone into it, you know? So if it is um, an identity, like I am an athlete for some of these athletes that you work with, and then they could just focus on honing the skills of what they're good at. And then they could just love the daily work. Um, and that's um, requires a lot of effort as, as we're, we're, as we're sharing to ensure that we're hardwiring the right value. So for me, I, you and I were chatting about Michael Gervais a lot and I love his concept of first principles, which are really focusing on the values of um, myself and the people that we care to influence and not so much the uh, the outcome, if that makes any sense. Welcome back to The Present, where everything happens on KWNK LP 97.7 FM, Reno, Nevada. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and my guest today is Ali Mujib, an expander of minds and a force for positivity. Uh, certainly makes sense, Ali, <laughs> that um, Carol Dweck's work on the um, growth mindset, that's all about love in the process. And if you're, well, I'd like to say if you're anybody, but certainly artists come to mind first that that if you don't love the work, then, mm, then you're going to end up hating whatever else comes yeah, after Yeah, you'll that. hit that. Point yeah. at some point it's funny because um whenever i think of carol dweck i immediately go to angela duckworth because her ted talk for grit what does she say is like the greatest tool for attaining grit is a growth mindset mm -hmm. and you know in her definition of 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 grit if i got it right if i remember it correctly um is the ability to persevere towards a goal for an extended period of time without an immediate result and i think she defined it as 18 months in in her book and surprisingly enough, she um, recently came back and says, well, grit is just a subset of a value, actually. <laughs> and there's the three core values and virtues that we need to focus on. Um, and, I, and I forget them exactly. I want to say head, heart, feet, but I don't I think that's one that I came up with. Um, but that just kind of ties together that we need to be able to strive towards something without allowing our external circumstances and environment to stop us. So you think that ties into the childlike wonder, the curiosity that I want to find the answer to this and I'm going to look and I'm going to check this out and I'm going to try this. Um, kind of like Einstein, not Einstein, um, Edison's quote that I, I discovered 10,000 things that didn't work when I was trying to invent the light bulb. <laughs> um, I didn't fail. Yeah. Um, every one of those taught me something and it's the win the winner you learn concept. Yeah, of things. That, yeah. That you um so if you're trying to uh attain a new skill in a sport, or if you're trying to learn 
a new technique on an instrument that that the learning part is fun and interesting and um if it takes you that full 18 months to gain that skill you know it might seem like a really long time but that whole 18 months you're learning stuff you're gaining yeah. stuff you're figuring things out and they're going to make all those skills that you're gaining in that time that you're not accomplishing what you think you want to accomplish, those skills transfer to learning something else that you want mm -hmm. to learn next. And so ah, just hanging on to that curiosity is so important, but not so it, easy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, more recently, and, and I'm, I'm pretty, I think we all um, have some level of trauma in our lives, right? Sometimes it's loneliness or worthiness. It's not always a, an incident physically, but we all have impacts in our life. And I think I'm fortunate that I did not have life-altering trauma. I did have worthiness and loneliness and things of that nature that have caused other, you know, challenges or opportunities, like we're saying. But the reason I mentioned this is until recently, I would have, um, I would, I wouldn't have said depends. And so today I'm going to say it depends on probably, in my opinion, two things. One, if there was a true dysregulation, you know, somebody who was forced to sit in a fight or flight, you know, safety state for an extended period of time, I don't know if they could lean into that curiosity and creativity while they're in a fear state, you know, kind of that fear love state. So I think if there was a traumatic event that locked somebody into that state, they may not be able to lean into a curious state as much as we'd want them to. And the second I think is if there was a hardwiring of a behavior in just their childhood environment, you know, if there, if that wasn't, influence in a positive way, you know, because there is a lot, at least in, you know, even in my culture where, you know, um, be seen, not heard. And then in other situations, it's really encouraged, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Help me understand. What do you like about that? Now, the good thing with even Carol Dweck's work is the brain is flexible. We're aware of neuroplasticity today. So no matter how old you are, you can rewire those neural pathways to focus on, on who you want to be. So a question I often ask at home is what's the environment that you need to be in to, you know, uh, to be conduce to be aligned with the dreams that you're trying to create and what skills do we need to build to help you attain those dreams? Cause that environment isn't just our homes, but it's what information we're digesting online, what we're reading, you know, the type of friends we circle with, you know? And so, um, and that's why I'm often, you know, the asking that very question, Lisa, which is, are we being, are we, are we leading from a place of curiosity or from a place of fear? And then that can usually kind of pivot us you know, to one direction or another. Okay. So starting, uh, starting your day, from a place of calm. Um, yeah, God, there's so much there. Uh, <laughs> that, that um, well, let's just go to starting your day. I know you have a um, impressive uh, daily routine <laughs> that, <laughs> that I don't know if I can even aspire to because I'm, I'm working on about an hour right now, um, okay. practice in the morning that involves, uh, meditation and yoga and a couple of Ayurvedic practices. Okay. And, um, 
even that, you know, I feel when I'm when uh, it's time to get ready and go to work, I feel like, yeah, I wish I would have had two hours. Okay. Um, I just like sleep too much. So <laughs> I know you have something that is uh, that is more than that. And what what else does yours involve? Yeah, well, I'd probably say um, everybody's routines are, are going to be unique to them, you know, and you have to find what works for you. And, and um, it's it, and so um, I start pretty early and, and it's evolved throughout the years. Um, but um, I, I like to start um, again, some of the basic foundations, which is trying to stay away from the phone, the first and the last hour. Those are important to me. But, um, you know, I like to start with with affirm, uh, with visualization today. So, you know, as I wake up, I'll spend about 15 minutes um, eyes closed in bed visualizing, you know, in two parts. Um, it's about 15 minutes because I'm trying, again, not to be measuring a clock or my phone, right? So it's kind of anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes split up into two, where um, the first thing I'll do is I'll visualize three to five years out. And um, I try to visualize and the emotional state for some of those dreams that I'm trying to create, not necessarily the thing, right? So I might see driving through, you know, some country or something like that, but I'm trying to avoid it being a specific country or a specific car, more the emotional space. And then the second half of that would be kind of my day. And it's never this client or this meeting. It's really just me having a productive, impactful conversations with, you know, the type of things I have going on to my day. And then I'll step out of bed with I am affirmations. Um, you know, I've tried some of the guided affirmations and things, but I'd found just me just jumping into I am affirmations as I'm brushing my teeth and getting ready for the day has really helped me. Um, and then I'll um, I'll start with the opposite hand teeth brushing, you know, just to get some neural pathways going. This is something I learned oh, from my wife. Ali, I love that. Opposite hand teeth brushing. This, I will try this tomorrow just because it's going to be hysterical. Because yeah, you know, it's not I'm as clean. Toothpaste you know. all over my face. <laughs> you you probably will, but what I where I got this is because you know my wife's an integrative health coach, and we do different things we're in different places. But um, she was really trying to rewire some things in her life, and a big part of that was left hand coloring. And I was like, oh, I, I don't really left hand color, but I could left hand toothbrush, you know, and just to, again, and I'm trying to be, you know, add the art and the science. And so um, when COVID kicked off, I like to work out in the morning. I moved um, the gym to the garage. Uh, on the way to the garage, I'll do 16 ounces of water. And, and probably twice a year, I break it up. It's either water with a squeeze of lemon or water with a squeeze of lemon with apple cider vinegar and a little bit of pink salt, you know, and just kind of play with those. But to hydrate the body first thing in the morning. Um, and then... Um, I try to, um, when I work out, I don't listen to music. So it's either going to be an audible um, or something that is spiritual, you know, almost like a gospel or a psalm, because I'm trying, again, trying to tap into not the execution of things to do, but more the emotional space. So I kind of call it my priming and tuning morning. And then I'll work out with some weights um, in between weights. I usually read. So I'm reading, you know, kind of in the morning, I'll do a couple sets and read a chapter and go back and forth like that. Um, and then I try to end my weight workout, um, you know, with a kind of a bike ride, you know, I'm using just a Peloton today. 
And then um, after that, I'll go through, then I like to plan. So I use a Brendan Burchard's High Performance Planner, which actually has a evening kind of journal. Personally, I don't like to think about work before I go to bed. Now, this is kind of the opposite of what a lot of people share, which is, hey, end your day by mapping out the next day. I want to prime my brain for dreams, not for work, right? So I, and because I get up early, you know, it's still before 6 a.m. when I'm doing this. So I think it's okay for me to assess yesterday and then go through today. Um, and then, um, you know, I'll kind of get in, you know, I'll, I'll do some breath work outside on the deck. Um, and my breath work ranges anywhere from a five minute box breathe to a 20 to 30 minute mindfulness meditation. Um, and then if I'm doing the longer, I'll probably just do it in the garage on a mat, you know, but I like to be out in nature and hear the birds and some of those things. And then, um, after I get ready, um, I will have some morning prayer. Um, and then I'll usually read a chapter or two out of a religious book. Um, those are more shorter. Um, and then I end with a, uh, with a gratitude practice. So I, I do currently I'm doing kind of five things of gratitude, um, with a prompt, which is, I am so happy and grateful for, um, and then I try to do half for present day and kind of half for future state, you know, and that's kind of my practice for the morning. Um, I've purposely not been as scriptive with my evening routine because I tend to be very process oriented and I'm almost concerned. <laughs> um, but I would say that, um, even to criticize myself, I need to break out that morning because, um, my wife and family would never care if twice a week I wanted to go work out or do something else, but I've kept this morning routine so I can be there for my family, which is probably some shadow work that I actually need to work through because um, they would not care if, if I was investing time in the evening, but I've purposely just made it all in the morning for the most part. You're listening to The Present on 97.7 KWNKLP in Reno, Nevada. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and my guest today is Ali Mujib. Okay, so for most of my listeners out there, this is a uh, giant menu, of, and they can pick any one of these things to do in the morning. So if you're not currently starting your day with any kind of practice, uh, Ali just gave you uh, 20 things that you can pick from, yeah. <laughs> but, but definitely not starting with your phone. And yeah. certainly not starting with the news to the point where Ali didn't even mention that he doesn't listen to any news in the morning. Uh, because, uh, let's see, uh, Sean Acor, uh, he does um, positive psychology. He's a, there's a study he did at Harvard that showed that just three minutes of negative news in the morning... Uh, gives you a negative outlook at the day. And when they tested people at the end of the day, eight hours later, they still had a more negative outlook on the day after watching just three minutes of news. So oh, gosh. I'm not saying that uh, people need to not pay attention to anything that's happening in the world. But if you start your day with news, which is usually sold to you on television with fear and worry and it is too far away for you to have anything, any effect on. It's not something you can control. It makes you feel depressed and helpless. Yeah. And it's not the way to start your day. So I don't know I start with 
some positive affirmations, some outlook on the day, what I'm looking forward to that day, what yeah. I what I'm curious about that day. Um, and then, like I said, uh, there's there's a meditation practice and there's yoga and there's some Ayurvedic practices, which which is a body scan with with oils that um, yeah. I am very uh, attached to at this point. I've I've been doing it for about three years. Okay. And if I skip a day, it's like wow. Yeah, I, I yeah. I have a good totally, friend that really I feel got totally into that. Different. <laughs> Yeah, there's two references I would think about for folks that are looking to just maybe start a routine and start to en enhance some mindfulness practices. And, um, you know, and I was, you know, I didn't know about Hal Enrod until a few years ago, but a lot of people say, oh, you start early, you probably know about the Miracle Morning, you know, which was, um, um, but it was actually Tim Ferriss did a podcast, um, and it might have been in one of his books, Tools of Titans, but he, I remember seeing a blog article of his before the podcast. Where he said he interviewed, you know, several, he, he's had this podcast for a long time, but he said um, of 90% of the people that he had surveyed carried these certain practices. And it was a daily meditation and breathwork practice um, to exercise daily, to read something new daily, to practice a gratitude practice. Um, and I think there was one more I'm missing. And so for a lot of folks, I say to start with a couple minutes of breath work and a gratitude practice to start your day. And that's probably enough to get going if those are the things you need and to start with, um, you know, so you, you don't need a long, it doesn't need to be a long thing. It could be a handful of minutes. It's just the intention of, you know, so today I, I, I if my wife and I joke and say, if I was to measure my circle of influence, it would be how well do they breathe? <laughs> um, uh, how well they celebrate themselves and how well they celebrate others. And that'd probably be a good starting point. That, you know, if if everyone could do just a little more of those three things, you know, automatically you've made the world a better place. I'll yeah, there we go, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, is there a place where uh, my listeners could find out things about you or, or learn some more from you or... yeah. Well, I'm finally going to get my website going, but for now, it's probably the best place is LinkedIn. Um, you've been a great supporter of my pound lead with meaning tag that, you know, I post on and uh, you'll see me post about, you know, the, a lot of what I shared about, you know, different ways to innovate and automate and a lot of ways to be mindful and more conscious with different practices with some of the things that I'm, I'm looking into and, and practicing today, but that'd be a good place to start. Um, you know, to reach out to me, you know, you know, okay. um, but yeah, I appreciate you having me today. I have so very much enjoyed our conversation, Ali, <laughs> and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Lisa. And thanks for the guests for listening. In. Okay. The music behind my show today included Bella Sonata number no. three and Armonias by Just Alfredo. Find these and more on Bandcamp. I will leave you today uh, with Cure for Pain by Morphine off their 1993 album of the same name.
Dios.